0: You are Locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg. David Rimmel will be joining me in a little bit to talk about where Kawhi might play next and the backup plan for the Knicks this summer if they don't land Kevin Durant. But let's start with the MVP award, because the NBA awards were Monday night, and Giannis Antetokounmpo won MVP over James Harden, which probably shouldn't surprise a lot of people But it was the disparity in the votes that seemed to have people ticked off. Giannis got 78 first-place votes. Harden got 23. And a lot of people are upset with that difference. Rockets fans, and even their Rockets own Twitter account, is citing this stat. That Harden has finished in the top two in four of the last five years in MVP voting. And they're positioning that stat as a slight against Harden. Where I think it's a credit to just how good Harden has been. I don't think anyone who has really paid attention to the NBA in the last five years would say that Harden was one of the two best players in the league in those last five years. That would be LeBron. It would be Durant. Those are your top two guys for most of the last five years. If anything, if anything, that stat is a credit to just how good he's been in the last five regular seasons. And they've been historic regular seasons. The numbers he's been putting up are insane, but let's not sit here and act like Harden's been snubbed. Sometimes things are just accurate, people. Harden finishing in the top two and winning one in four out of five seasons seems about right to me. Now, reasonable people can make the argument that Harden should have won this season, and I don't think that you're wrong if you voted either way, but at the end of the day, the Bucks had the best record in the league, They finished number one in their respective conference, and Giannis not only won MVP, but he also finished in the top three Defensive Player of the Year. He's clearly the better two-way player. All that stuff matters when you're splitting hairs. And I do think this vote came down to splitting hairs. For Harden, he had an historic run. 32 straight games from December to February with 30-plus points. That helped put the Rockets back into playoff position when it looked like they were going to miss the playoffs. But you can't just throw away the first 20 games of the season when they started 9-11. and 11. Were they dealing with injuries, suspensions, they, were, had, they had turnover on the roster and the coaching staff? Yes. But Harden was always there. And he was a part of that just as much as he was a part of that midseason stretch. The Bucks, meanwhile, they were dominant from the beginning of the regular season to the end. Again, if you're splitting hairs, all of that stuff matters. I think you could make a good argument either way, but Giannis winning feels right. And by the way, That 78-23 to disparity doesn't reflect how close it was for each individual voter. Maybe they were 51-49 leaning Giannis. I don't know. But the result feels right, and it really doesn't matter how close the vote was or not. Giannis won MVP. Harden came in second. I think they both deserve that. All right, let's go through some of the other winners. Luka Doncic wins Rookie of the Year. Trae Young made a late push for that award, but it was always going to Doncic. Lou Williams takes six-man over his teammate, Montrezl Harrell. Pretty obvious, though. Uh, there was a lot of great six-man candidates this season. Rudy Gobert gets Defensive Player of the Year after leading the Jazz, to so the second-best defensive rating in the league. I'm all right with that. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if Paul George never hurt his shoulder late in the season, but Gobert, very deserving of that. Most improved goes to Pascal Siakam. That's an easy one. And then Coach of the Year goes to Mike Budenholz. There are a lot of great candidates for that one, too. Michael Malone and Doc Rivers were also in the running. Um, but I think you could have put two or three other coaches in that mix. But Budenholzer, he had the most straightforward case with how much his team improved, how much better they looked aesthetically, and given the fact that they won the most games in the league, yeah, it, it was going a bud. Okay, let's take a break. But when we come back, David Ramil will join me to talk about if Kawhi will re-sign with the Raptors now that he's set to be a free agent. You're listening to Locked on NBA. For the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency. Follow along on Twitter at Locked On NBA Net. I'm joined now by David Ramil. We're going to talk about what the Knicks will do if they miss out on Kevin Durant this summer. But let's start with this report from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. who reports that Kawhi Leonard is seriously considering re-signing with the Raptors on a multi-year deal. For so long, it seemed like the Clippers were the leaders to land Kawhi. But the Raptors just keep gaining momentum. If you're a Raptors fan, are you feeling good about this report, David?
1: I wouldn't. I I mean, I understand the nature of fans. Uh, They'll probably look at this and say it's a done deal. But I think they've been pretty optimistic throughout the whole season that there was a good chance of him re-signing or else why make the move. And especially when you can bank on on trying to sell the team and the city. And, you know, they had quite a bit of success in his one year there. So I would imagine they're feeling pretty confident about that. And, And, you know, the way he acted in the Celebration parade and the fact that he carried his team to victory, it seems like a pretty good chance that, you know, that he might at least entertain the idea of coming back to Toronto and potentially leading them to another championship next season, or at least helping get to that point, you know, because uh, these look like the clear favorites in the Eastern Conference yet again, if they were able to, yeah. to re-sign Kawhi. So, you know, I, I, I tend to think of it as anything can change and we know nothing as much as as Haynes is plugged in there, um, you know, and that he gets a sense from people around Kawhi, maybe maybe they've talked about enjoying the city and kind of being awash and the, the glow of a championship and things of this sort, but it didn't seem to change much of his his separation from San Antonio and he had won a championship there as well and he was going to be the centerpiece of that team moving forward and and still he wanted to get away from that. And look, there's a lot to break down there. Obviously, there was some mistrust on both sides and misdiagnosis perhaps of his injury and, and the course of treatment. But the reality is we don't have any kind of clue as to what Kawhi is thinking uh, and how he's leaning. And he could change very quickly. Like, I mean, I think players go through these decisions and they kind of have an idea of how it's going to play out and then they can change their minds pretty quickly and, and, and go another route. They can be... You know they can be lured by another franchise that makes a great presentation and kind of puts everything together. And then there's the human element. Sometimes you just feel like this is the right situation for you, and you have to make a decision based on that. And it, it could be L.A., it could be elsewhere, but we don't we don't know for certain.
0: Yeah, it's possible that he before the finals started, or before the playoffs, or during the season, when we've been hearing so much about the Clippers, that Kawhi was leaning towards going to the Clippers. Um, and we've heard Kawhi say. During the playoffs, during the finals, since the finals even mm-hmm. that, you know, I think there was a, re- a a reporter during the championship parade asked Kawhi, "Hey, when did you get the feeling that this team could win a championship?" And he said during training camp. And I don't know if that was just all talk or whatever, but you do have a sense with somebody at Kawhi's level that he's probably confident that he can win a championship no matter where he is. Toronto, L.A. It doesn't matter, um, and so. It, it, it strikes me as this report, and you used the word leaning before. Chris mm-hmm. Haynes didn't use the word leaning. He said seriously considering. And I wouldn't, like, yeah, he ought to be seriously considering resigning with the Raptors. Like you said, that's a good team. And if he resigns, they have a chance to repeat. And if that's important to Kawhi, then he should do that. And everybody from the outside looking in says, look, it's such a deep team. They're, they're young, they're, but they still have championship experience. They can only grow around Kawhi. I mean, that's a, you know, they've got all this stuff. Why wouldn't you resign? But then, like I just said, if you're Kawhi, you thought this team could, have, uh, you know, win a championship in training camp. You probably always think whatever team you are are on can win a championship, and you might look at the Clippers, mm. who were pretty good in the first round against the Warriors, and say, why can't I just go there and do what I just did here? And it doesn't. It, it's not a coincidence to me that when the Clippers were taking the Warriors, when they when they overcame that 31 point deficit in Oakland to beat the Warriors in the first round, and they were really giving the Warriors a hard time, like I don't know the first three or four games of that series, mm-hmm. we heard so much stuff about uh, Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers because they had so much momentum. And now the Raptors win the championship, they've got all the momentum, and now we're hearing more stuff about Kawhi seriously considering signing there. And he should seriously resign considering there, but it doesn't surprise me that we're hearing about it now because all of the emotional weight is behind Toronto.
1: And, and what happened to the notion of him signing a one-plus-one? Are we just moving completely no, past that No, I think Kane said that, had that I, in
0: his report, too. It's possible that he could just sign the one-plus-one, too. But either way, that's a win for Toronto, and that's probably coming a long way from where they... I think even Raptors fans would say where they were two or three months ago when everything seemed pointed towards the Clippers.
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I... I, I uh... I think Raptors fans, like fans in general, tend to be kind of positive. And they're, I mean, in 2014, uh, all of Miami fans thought that uh, LeBron would re sign with the team. I think uh, a lot of people expected that to be the case in Cleveland as well. In 2010, yeah. they certainly expected LeBron to sign there, but uh, it didn't work out that way. And, and so I, I don't know, you know, Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, on and on and on. And I think even last summer, we had a pretty good feeling that Paul George. Would at least entertain the idea of signing the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, that didn't seem like it was much of a. Well, consideration that's the that's the weird thing here because if you go the Kawhi Leonard thing
0: really influenced Toronto in their decision to you know trade assets and be, and you know important players. Sure. For Kawhi, and with Paul George staying in Oklahoma City, if Kawhi then stays in Toronto, that ripple effect is only going to get wider, right? Like you're just going to see more and more teams gamble on these kinds of guys and look Paul Georges and Kawhi Leonard's don't come up all the time but you could see a version of that right some sort of derivative of let's trade for this guy even though we're a small market and he's got one more year left on his contract because Paul George resigned and because Kawhi resigned now I don't know if that's the right approach but let's say Kawhi Kawhi resigns even a one-on-one in Toronto there's a lot of teams who are going to just like trade maybe some of their best assets just for the chance that somebody will resign
1: Well, in in the case of a Toronto, uh, you know, it it made a lot of sense because, one, it was an Eastern Conference where they had plenty of playoff experience. They had depth already going into it. uh, And they were moving a player in DeMar DeRozan, not to mention Jakob Pertl, that, you know, I think were, were limited as far as where they could take the Raptors. And they had seen everything that they could possibly see out of this version of Toronto, even without LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. And so they had to make a move, and it was... It turned out to be a pretty yeah. good one. Um, I, I think even if they hadn't won the finals, I think you still make that yep. move. Even if they hadn't gotten to the finals, you still make that move because you know they were a successful team all throughout, and you take a chance that maybe something appeals to Kawhi, maybe the city, maybe the culture, maybe the team itself. Maybe he he feels looser in a way he never felt in San Antonio. Who knows? It'll be really interesting
0: to see what. like I mean, I'm not, I'm stating the obvious here to see what Kawhi is going to do, but the reasoning that that that. You know, comes out because we're going to hear reports and all, and this stuff is just going to keep going on. Like if he does sign, does decide to sign with the Clippers, why? You know, is it is the narrative going to be coming home, but didn't but you know coming home in a way that he didn't want to take less to sign with the Lakers and LeBron and, and hmm. Anthony Davis, or you know wanted to come home and. You know, go head-to-head, toe-to-toe in like a, a hallway rivalry with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, even that would be really interesting. And that would kind of speak to his competitiveness that we just really don't know what makes Kawhi tick other than the fact that he likes to get rebounds, get paid, and win championships. And that's about it. That's all we know.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much all uh, I think all Los Angeles and Toronto needs to know about him. I think they're pretty content about uh, that version of Kawhi and and hoping either side of them can, uh, can re-sign him or sign him to a contract, so... I and I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Um, you know, I, I don't know that Kawhi is going to offer much insight into his decision one way or the other. Uh, do you think if the you if, know, Do that's... you think if the
0: Raptors if Kawhi doesn't sign with the Raptors if he goes to L. A. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Raptors then need to rebuild? Because you mentioned the Demar Derozan thing and how it was a win regardless. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because you get off the Demar Derozan contract. You've you've now cleared you know the way to rebuild if Kawhi leaves. And so it's kind of a win-win for Toronto because you get out from either somehow, one way or the other, you're getting out of mediocrity. And so if Kawhi leaves, I think the the impression this entire time had been, okay, well, Kawhi leaves, you rebuild. But I'm not so sure because that still it seems like a pretty good team even without Kawhi Leonard there.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's not necessarily rebuilding so much as it is kind of just retooling a little bit, uh, changing things around, seeing if maybe you could trade a player or two as a potential asset and maybe get another— either a a draft pick or another player that's on the rise perhaps i mean it's it's a recipe for proven success there so i don't see any i i never think that rebuilding and tearing everything down is the exact solution like i I don't think they're in such a bad place with a level of talent that would be on that roster i would remain on that roster even if Kawhi decided to sign elsewhere i i think they've got enough there i mean i i think about the Ringer and Kevin O'Connor saying that they should have blown it up two seasons ago, three seasons ago, something along those lines, and, and of course, it, that seems pretty foolish right. now in retrospect. It's a good but, thing um, they didn't. Even at the time, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, at, at the time, I think it was still pretty foolish. A lot of people thought it, it wasn't necessary, and you know, it's it. The players were good enough; they were they were fine players. They just they needed one extra piece there, and, and look. Let's not forget they made some in-season moves too to acquire a Marcus Saul mm-hmm. that really paid off. I mean, maybe even a, a OG Anunoby might have been able to contribute at some point. Who knows if he was ready for the playoffs and, and the finals and, and the expectations that would have been placed on him then? But I mean, you get a proven veteran like all and he wound up being a real factor throughout. And the you
0: play. can bring him back, and and like and the piece that really is the game changer here is Pascal Siakam. His development really changes sort of the framework and how. Toronto should approach this thing if Kawhi leaves, because now, it's too simple to say this, but I'll say it anyway, you could just sort of slide Pascal into the Kawhi role. He could he he brings the ball up, he facilitates offense, he does all these things from the forward spot that functionally Kawhi does. He just doesn't do it as elite as Kawhi does, but he's also a lot younger, and he's still developing, and you could just sort of lean into, into Pascal Siakam and develop him much like the Spurs developed Kawhi Leonard and surrounded him with Tony Parker and and Tim Duncan, all these veterans, you can re-sign Marcus Saul, you already have Kyle Lowry there under contract. You can surround those guys or you could surround Pascal Siakam with those kinds of veteran presences and and guys who just know how to win at this level and maybe you just sort of shift your focus that way. You're going to take a step back in the in the short term, but long term you're going to be just fine and you could potentially c- keep competing for championships down the road and like you said, sort of retool on the margins and go from there but Um, Let's take a quick break here. We'll talk about one of the teams that is trying to get Kawhi Leonard, the New York Knicks, and how everything could go wrong for them uh, this summer. But first, when you're in the car, driving to work or just around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NBA, and we'll be there right with you for the drive. Among all the free agency rumors, we really aren't hearing a ton about the Knicks as far as the top guys go. And now, according to multiple reports as of Monday night, uh, the Knicks are still hoping to land Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and or Kawhi Leonard, and that if they don't, they plan on rolling over that cap space, maintaining that flexibility for next year, and then going after Anthony Davis. But that seems like a long shot because everybody assumes that Anthony Davis will resign with the Lakers. And so then... It's guys like DeMar DeRozan, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam, all nice players, but far from the franchise-changing talents that they were supposedly favorites for just a couple of months ago, David.
1: What do you think about this plan for the Knicks? I think it's a—I think it's an obvious move on their part. I mean, they have to at least put publicly out there that they have a backup plan because... It seems like a lot of things are aligning just right so that they won't wind up signing any of those key players that they've targeted for this summer. So from their fans' perspective, I mean, think about it. We've seen them kind of build themselves up into a frenzy, thinking that this summer was going to pay off so beautifully. They were going to get the top pick in the draft. They were going to draft Zion Williamson. He was going to be the key component. And from that point forward, it was going to be perfect. The homecoming of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, was going to leave Colin State perfectly healthy, mind you, and he was going to be able to guide New York into another era of championship success and none of that has broken so far and and I don't expect it to to be quite honest with you I don't know why any of those players would like to go to New York Um, we were just talking about this in context of Kawhi the idea of a small market team I think isn't as big a deal as it once was I don't think it is as tied to a player's success as it was in the past and I think you look at other players that have signed in New York in recent years Carmelo Anthony uh, you know um, Amari I'm, sorry, I'm drawing. I'm drawing. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire. And, and, and neither one of them were able to achieve incredible levels of marketable success. And I know a lot of that's tied to the lack of success on the court. But if you're looking as the off court or the, the location of this team as, as a factor, I mean, what matters most above all else is winning. And so if it's just one individual player, either at Durant or an Irving, you're not going to be able to do a significant, much more amount of winning. And so I don't know that you're going to be able to parlay the location into anything marketable. It's not going to translate into any kind of financial gain, really, yeah. for you.
0: That's so, a really good point I mean, because uh, Amari Stoudemire was mostly—I mean, there was a like year there he was good, but he wasn't—he didn't become this like Shaquille O'Neal type figure in the NBA despite playing in New York, right? And Carmelo Anthony right. was already a superstar before then, but I don't—I don't think you could say that Carmelo Anthony was any bigger of a star in New York than he was in Denver. Right? Am I, am I crazy for yeah, saying yeah, that? And, and that's, I think yeah, like I the biggest star I, I think star the perception of him was over the last few years was yeah. Jeremy Lin. And he was the only <laughs> guy that really increased his marketability. And that's because they were winning for like a couple of weeks when Jeremy Lin was was in there instead yeah, of Carlo Anthony. And, and you know, he's never found that same sort of success on the court or off of it since then. I mean, he did just win a championship with Toronto, but he didn't play in the finals. So, yeah, I don't think going... I think you make a really good point. And we are even seeing a guy like Kawhi Leonard... I mean, I know that the Knicks, the Knicks say they're chasing Kawhi Leonard more than it sounds like Kawhi Leonard is con- saying he's considering the Knicks, right? So sure. you could like any team could go out there and say, "Oh no, we're chasing Kawhi Leonard," right? Like the Indiana Pacers would be like, "Hey, we got cap space." We're, the Sacramento Kings are like, you "No, know, we've got max cap space. We can we're going to go after Kevin Durant." But it doesn't mean they are considering them, um, but it does say something that Kawhi is like the two teams he's quote unquote considering is Toronto, which is not even in you know, the United States, and then the Clippers, which are not even the biggest team in their own city.
1: Do you think that changes? I mean, look, LeBron and Anthony Davis now have changed the, the calculus considerably. So, I mean, the Lakers will regain their status as the star attraction in Los Angeles pretty shortly. But
0: Yeah, and I think there's a difference just... between the Lakers and the Knicks. Um, I think it's really easy to make those comparisons, and I think that's a big reason why, you know, the Kevin Durant to the Knicks stuff was so prevalent. For all this time, mm-hmm. it really just seemed like a game of telephone that just seemed to make more and more sense. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do think that the Lakers, at least under the bus family, did win for a sustained amount of time. And so they've earned whatever it is that they have, whatever cachet that they have. They actually earned it. And they've done a lot to lose that cachet, but they did at one point earn it. The Knicks have never really earned it. Like, Patrick Ewing years were like kind of the best thing that they had going recently and they never really they never won a championship like they they haven't really had sustained success especially con- compared to the Lakers. I mean, you compare the Lakers and the Celtics more than you would compare the the Lakers and the uh Knicks. Sure. So, look, I think another thing you know, if if the Knicks miss out, like there was never going to be enough star free agents for the teams with star free agent cap space and that that includes the Knicks, that includes the Clippers, that includes the Brooklyn Nets, all these teams that are, you know, in the mix for these guys. And that's why we expect the secondary guys like Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris and now maybe even an Al Horford to sort of get that same sort of max salary, especially from those teams that strike out. I don't know that next year's guys are better than even this like those guys. You know what I'm talking? Like if you're the Knicks, well, right?
1: I mean, I think, I think you're on to something there. I mean, do we really expect this New York team, as I said before, that struck out on the draft, that could potentially strike out on their superstars, etc., to just sit there with this pot of money and not spend it on Nikola Vucevic? Right. I mean, or whatever, you know, uh, free agency level type free, free agent. You know, I mean, they're going to throw it at somebody. Kemba Walker, maybe? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, there are options And now it seems there. like
0: Kemba is, my gonna, like, all, every, all the signs now are pointing, like, that he's going to resign in Charlotte, like sure. everybody. Like if, if you're the Knicks now, I still think Durant ends up there because they are actually you know because of how much they suck, they're in a fortunate position where they don't they can they can punt on next year and give Durant the max anyway. Like give Durant the yeah. four year max and just say well, well we'll at least get three years out of you for it. Um, mm-hmm. like they're in that situation. Draft night, it seemed like Knicks fans were going crazy for RJ Barrett, so you could just kind of sell them on RJ Barrett for a season. RJ Barrett in the and the prospect of pairing RJ and Durant down the road whether or not that you know becomes the reality or not but um they at least have something but yeah i'm with you like if they don't sign Durant and Kyrie Irving goes to Brooklyn or Kawhi Leonard goes elsewhere and all this, yeah they might and, and i don't know if that's the wrong decision like again like is is signing Tobias Harris and Nikola Vucevic like if you give those two guys max deals and pair them with RJ Barrett I feel like that's better than signing Demar Derozan next year. Like this, even the the other extra guys Maybe. this season are better than the main guys next summer.
1: But that duo won thirty something games in Orlando. I, I don't, I I don't know that Vucevic is going to be able to return to All Star form at any point in his yeah. career. He's a fine player. I mean, great passing ability, underrated passer, great long distance shooter. You know he still gets worked a little bit in the post, and his defense isn't as bad as people pre- you know previously thought. But at the same time, he, hes i don't think he's the kind of player that you throw a max contract, and that's where you—you you don't trust the Knicks to make the smart decision because they've made so many bad ones over the re- over the years. This is
0: also where the Kristaps Porzingis trade could really end up being a disaster for them because they trade Kristaps in the middle of the year. Everybody reads the tea leaves, saying, "Well, they must know something," and we assume that they must know something. Even the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. must know something to move off of the biggest superstar they've had in 30 years and all right, maybe that's not fair to Carmelo Anthony but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. like you mo- and they did get a lot of good stuff out of Kristaps Porzingis they got assets a bunch of draft picks um, there's questions about Porzingis' overall health and maybe that ends up looking like the right move in the long term given Porzingis's health issues but still like that trade to basically attach Tim Hardaway to Kristaps and move off of move off of that salary and open up... You already had enough cap space for one max free agent, but you did that trade to open up enough space for two max free agents. So if you don't get two max free agents, I do think that, that in the, at least in the short term, looks like a huge disaster for this Knicks team.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's par for the course, right? So I don't think anybody would be <laughs> too surprised about that either. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I keep seeing a lot of people think, oh, you know, the league is better when... New York and LA and and those larger quote unquote larger markets are are you know are, are successful but I don't think it matters anymore. I mean I think we've had unprecedented levels of success with a team that's been historically bad in Oakland thriving and changing the dynamic of the league forever. And I think I think we've been just fine. So I don't know if the Knicks want to wallow in mediocrity, I'm okay with it.
0: That's it for today. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked On NBA on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening.